بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه إمام عبد الله الحداد may Allah have mercy on him is considered the reviver of the 12th Islamic century his teachings have a profound impact in reaching the heart such that he was called Haddad al-Qulub the heartsmith in this series we engage in brief readings from his various works and discuss their wisdom and impact on our lives. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wafdala salah wa tamu taslim. Ala Sayyidina wa Mawlana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam ajma'in. Alhamdulillah. Welcome to our next episode of the Heartsmith podcast in which that we read from the blessed books and of Imam Abdullah bin Ali al-Haddad passed away in the year 1132 of the Hijrah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit us through him and benefit us through his scholarship. And alhamdulillah, this is a gathering in which that we try to apply these ever so important meanings to this, uh, of this great imam that he left behind in written form that to our everyday lives and hopes that we can be inspired to that do what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as is customary that we uh, read short sections and then we that offer brief commentary ta'ala. and the first book that we will begin with is which is Councils of Religion and we are on page 82 of the English translation. And we're at the top of page 149 in the Arabic. So Imam Haddad he says, He who pays his zakat receives a great reward and a generous recompense. By doing so, he will enjoy many benefits, both religious and worldly. وفي المال بلايا وفتنون وآفات يسلم منها المحافظ على إخراج الزكاة إن شاء الله تعالى. There are in wealth afflictions, temptations, and problems. He who pays his zakat will be safe from these, God willing. قال عليه الصلاة والسلام. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said. إذا أديت الزكاة مالك طيبة بها نفسك فقد أذهبت عنك شرة. When you graciously pay the zakat due on your possessions, you shall have diverted away from you the evil in them. The possessions of he who pays his zakat remains safe from damage or ruin. For he has said, may Allah's blessings and peace be upon him. No wealth perishes at sea or on land except because of withholding the zakat. And his saying, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Protect your possessions with zakat and remedy your sick with charity. I remember when we were studying the chapter on zakat, perhaps that we touched upon this in the previous uh, podcast as well, how we oftentimes think about zakat as the most social pillar, mm. i.e. that mm. in the fact that you know this is clearly the right of the those who um, are, are in need and the various categories that you can give zakat to. But uh, one of the important things that we learned in even in the weekend retreat and as Imam Haddad uh, that also teaches us 
as well as Imam Ghazali, is that the benefits that you get yourself mm. from giving zakat, yeah. and then here, just very clear that even your wealth itself, yeah. you need zakat to even, you know, protect uh, protect it. your own wealth. And yeah. Subhanallah, this hadith is amazing. No wealth perishes at sea or on land, except because of withholding the zakat, and just even, just all of the the various aspects of barakah and blessing that that are preserved through the zakat. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. Yeah, and then the, the second part there about Dawu Mardakum bis Sadaqa. Sometimes we don't think that right as soon as that we get sick, the first thing might not cross our mind to actually give charity. Mm. And subhanAllah this is a practice of the righteous. As soon as someone gets sick, the immediate that they give charity. MashaAllah. Whether it's a sickness that you hope is going to uh, be cured soon or whether it's a more complicated mm. uh, sickness or disease that this is something that we should get accustomed to as soon as someone gets sick you give out charity mm. and then you try to give out charity to the in the best place possible the people that are in most need or righteous people or people that are mujawireen that are uh, just in a, in a state where they are living in Medina Manoa waiting to die and mm. frequent the masjid of the Prophet. So, you know, there's certain groups of people that, and individuals that you can find to give that to to even make it more potent. And Allah Akbar. MashaAllah. Beautiful. Possessions for which zakat has been paid is protected, guarded by Allah. And and uh, the possessions for which zakat has not been paid will suffer damage. For it is evil and devoid of barakah. He has said, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, Zakat never mixes with wealth without destroying it. MashaAllah. Meaning that if it remains in there, like it's not re- it's not separated. Right, mm. right. Mm. What good, what benefit can there be in wealth, the barakah of which has been removed, leaving the evil and temptations? The destruction in question may be visible or invisible. The first kind is for the wealth to depart, leaving the wealthy person poor, panicky, fearful, and full of resentment against Allah's decree. This has indeed happened to numerous people who had been neglectful as concerns their zakat. As for the second kind of destruction, the invisible kind, it is for the wealth to be there in abundance, but without its owner being able to enjoy any of its benefits. SubhanAllah. Either in a religious way, by spending of it in charitable ways and doing good, or to his own benefit, to preserve his honor and reputation. On the contrary, it may bring him great harm when he withholds it when it should be spent, or spends it where it should not be. 
إما بإنفاقه في المعاصي ويعاد بالله وإما في الشهوات البهيمية التي لا نفع فيها ولا حاصل لها Spending it on sins, for instance, may Allah protect us, or on bestial appetites that are wasteful and of no benefit. You know, these, these works, you know, we say it every time, but it's just, you're always just amazed at how concise and to the point and deep and meaningful the scholarship of Imam Haddad is and what he's summarized for us. You know, this one book that we're reading now, the Nusrah Dini, they call it the, they say it's the hat of the Ihya. So the Ihya Dumirin, others like it's the essence of the Ihya. It's as if that he's taken the essential meanings of the 40 books, which is voluminous. It's hard to get through the entire Ihya. It takes a long time to read the entire book. But he's taken the essence of it and summarized it in one book that you could read in a, a fairly short amount of time. Mm. And, and, and so what that means is that it's it, there's a difference between a muqtasar and a muqtasar. Mm. A muqtasar is just kind of abridged. Okay. But a muhtasar is mm. abridged, but it's concise, but it's packed with meaning. Mm. It it preserves the essence. So it it's it, mm. exactly. So it's like nothing's it, lost. And then it's just this takes ref- this. I'm just this takes reflection. Mm. Like these passages that we're reading, we should really think like, if someone's going through financial difficulties, did I give my zakat? Mm. Did something happen? Did I forget something? Is there wealth that I? Is there something I didn't know that I had to give zakat on? Is it, and it requires. Reflection. If we don't feel like we have blessing in our wealth, yeah. we have to nufetish. Let's look yeah. for. It. We have to examine, look for something. Maybe there's something that I've done. Maybe there's. I owe someone something, yeah. and I forgot about it, or something like that. And it's really important, Subhanallah, even to. And one of the beautiful things about you know Imam Al Haddad's books, Imam Al Ghazali, these true masters of religion, um, is that they they teach you about the spiritual benefits and kind of the practical. Uh, benefits in our day-to-day lives that really makes a person look forward to these ibadat. Like if someone says, oh, you know, naturally a person has a, you know, wants to hold on to their wealth and so forth. But when you learn about all of the benefits, someone then, as he's, as he said in the hadith, graciously gives it away, happily gives it away. Yeah, because it's iman. You know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you something far, far better than that small little bit that you gave away that's going to harm you. Mm. So... Ameen, Ameen. Shall we see this revived within the Ummah? So now we're reading from the complete summons and general reminder. And we are on page 161 of the Arabic. And on page 93 of the English. إلى أنقار رضي الله عنه ونفعنا الله به والربا من الكبائر وجملة القول فيه أنه لا يحل بيع النقض بالنقض ولا الطعام بالطعام الذي هو نعوه إلا يدا بيد سواء بسواء Usury is a major sin. The sum of it is that one cannot sell coins for coins or food for similar food except if the exchange is immediate and the measure identical. فإن اختلف النوع كالذهب بالفضة والحنطة بالذرة جازت المفاضلة ووجب التقابض في الحال من غير تأخير ولا نسيئة. As for the different kinds such as gold for silver or wheat for corn, identical measures are permissible. Provided the exchange is immediate, neither delayed nor to a designated term. والحيلة في الربا من الربا 
وقد قال كثير من العلماء بعدم جوازها To resort to a ruse to escape usury is itself usury and avails nothing save an increase in wrath. وأنها لا تفيد شيئا سوى زيادة المقت والسخط وخشية الاحتيال على الله في استحلال ما حرمه بغير حجة ولا وجه مسوغ. It is considered an attempt to deceive God and to commit what he has prohibited without legal justification. ومنهم من قال بجوازها بالنسبة إلى أحكام الدنيا دون أحكام الآخرة. Some have said that these ruses are permitted as concerns the affairs of this world, but not those related to the hereafter. وهذا أيضا شديد لمن تأمله. A little reflection exposes the weakness in this position. فإن أحكام الدنيا قد تناط من حيث الظواهر بأمور قريبة مع كونها في الباطن. For many worldly matters seem outwardly benign, yet have formidable consequences in the hereafter. وبالنسبة إلى أمور الآخرة من الأمور الهائلة المسخطة لله تعالى الموجبة لمقته وشديد عقابه. And lead to Allah's wrath and severe punishment. وانظر إلى حال المنافق الذي يظهر الإيمان ويضمن الكفر. Look at the state of the hypocrite outwardly showing faith while inwardly harboring disbelief. كيف تجري أموره الظاهرة كلها على مثل أمور المؤمنين؟ His affairs are run according to the pattern of the believers in appearance. ثم يكون في الآخرة أسوأ حالا وأشد عذابا من الكافرين الذين أظهروا الكفر. But in the hereafter, his fate will be worse and his punishment more severe than that of the declared disbelievers. وذلك لمخادعته لله واحتياله عليه. The reason behind this is that he wishes to deceive and cheat Allah. فلا يأمن المحتال بالحيل التي يستحل بها ما حرم الله عليه أن يكون عند الله أسوأ حالا ممن تعاطى ذلك المحرم ظاهرا من غير احتيال. Therefore he who resorts to bruises to render permissible what Allah has forbidden will be worse in the sight of Allah than he who does the forbidden thing openly without resorting to bruises. فلعل الله أن يتجاوز عنه أن يوفقه للتوبة. Perhaps Allah will forgive the latter and cause him to repent. وأما هذا المحتال فمتى يتوب من شيء يرى أنه ليس بذنب ولا محرم عليه؟ As for the trickster, what will cause him to repent given that he thinks he is doing nothing wrong? وذلك من أعظم مكائد الشيطان. This is one of the greatest deceptions of the devil. يوقع الإنسان في بغض في بغض مساخط الله. To induce a person to commit something that angers Allah. ثم يوهمه ويلبس عليه بأن ذلك من الطاعات أو من المباحات. And then convince him that it is either an act of obedience or one that is permissible. فليحذر المسلم من أمثال ذلك وليحذر من تغرير الشيطان. Let the Muslim be aware of this. وفإنه من اتخذ الشيطان وليا من دون الله فقد خسر خسرانا مبينا. For he who takes the devil for an ally instead of Allah will lose in an obvious matter. يعدهم ويمنيهم وما يعدهم الشيطان إلا غرورا. He promises and raises their hopes, but the devil's promises are but deceptions. This is Subhanallah. I know Imam Al-Haddad here is talking about riba specifically and not taking, you know, not taking these opinions that really kind of play around with the Sharia. But one of the the points here that's really interesting is just. Um, understanding that we can't deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being really careful. I remember when I was growing up, you know, there were people who fell into things that were haram and made mistakes, as, as there are in every time. But they would totally admit it. 
listen, you know, like I need to get right at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't do what I'm doing because it's wrong. But now you have a lot of people who want to justify the things that they're doing and make it seem like, no, I'm totally free to do that. What's the big deal? And it's just like... A and then the danger, just as you mentioned, how, how could someone ever make toba if that they think what they're actually doing is okay when it really isn't? And to your point, yeah. you, know, it's, you have to... It's so it's, dangerous. It's, you're closer to repentance and acceptance uh, yeah. by Allah if you just recognize that, oh, I'm not in a good state. And, and I, I think one also good point here about this is that this could get a little bit confusing for someone if we try to apply this to our time. What are those ruses mm. that are okay? What are those ones that are not okay? Mm. It gets quite detailed, and obviously in a shorter podcast, we don't have time to get into a lot of that. But this is where we have to have connections to rightly guided scholars that we trust, that we know have sound knowledge and have taken their knowledge from people that have an unbroken chain of transmission back to the Prophet ﷺ and that can clarify for us. Because sometimes there's a very small detail which makes it okay or which makes it not okay. Hmm. And um, we to be able to navigate, especially the financial tr tr transactions of our hmm. particular time and you know, the time that we're living in where that everybody's wealth is tainted with usury to some degree. That doesn't mean that we um, go to one extreme where we just can't function in the world, but it also doesn't mean that we just don't have Let any go. level of scrupulousness and just, you know, not care at all what it is that we do. Yeah. And I've seen this happen with people, mm. especially when the doors opened up for what some people say to be permissible ruses or legal stratagems, however it is that mm. you uh, translate them, like a hila in Arabic. And um, it could really damage someone's deen. Mm. And we don't want to make things too hard, but we don't want to make things unnecessarily easy. We want to find that balance, and uh, scrupulousness has its place, and building mm. your deen on a solid foundation with where you have asserted about things is, is a good thing. And I think also, too, just really recognizing, is there really a need there? Mm. Right. So like now, for instance, like a sure. practical example, like buying a car. Yeah. You can buy a used car, yep. which they'll even tell you it usually makes more sense to buy a used car yep. unless there's like certain conditions. Right? Uh, but let's say you wanted to buy a, news car, a new car. There's plenty of options where you can buy a car where maybe you pay a small amount down or even nothing down. We yeah. bought a car, you know, several years ago uh, with nothing down. We know... Reva whatsoever, no yeah. interest, mm -hmm. and you pay payments for five years, yeah. and that's perfectly legitimate. There's mm -hmm. no issues there uh, whatsoever. But it might not be like, you know, the particular model yeah. or the exact, you know, make that you want. Yeah. But but it gets you from you point can get a, a to point B. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it does what it's supposed to do. Right, you know, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we we really and and it's the the scholar's job to make clarify these realities and to mm. make it accessible for people. And alhamdulillah, we have you know, now access to even online courses for people to learn about the halal and the haram mm. and uh, about Financial. transactions. And you know, if people want to invest their money, increasingly there's mm. uh, more and more people that can shine light on these subjects so that people can do things that are uh, within Sound. the realm of permissibility. Yeah. But that, that's why, you know, going back to your point, like knowledge is so foundational because without it, we're really just blind. Mm -hmm. And and you find people who are not, who 
who might be informed of some things but are not really grounded, like deeply knowledgeable, they'll either be on either side of the extremes. Mm. Like, no, no, this is too difficult and everything goes. Mm. Or the other person, no, no, it's all haram, it's all terrible. And, you know, in both situations, really compromising people's religion. So knowledge and scholarship and uh, it really is... um, it really is something that's uh, very supportive to people in their practical day-to-day lives, and most mm-hmm. importantly, their their state with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So, Mashallah. Should we stand there? Yeah, Move on to the next book, Inshallah Taala. We're reading from Knowledge and Wisdom, and we are on chapter 24, page 66 of the Ihya Publishing Edition. On page 83 of the Arabic. So the chapter is titled Gentleness. Imam al-Haddad says, Know that gentleness is required in all things and is encouraged and approved by both sacred law and common sense. Things can be achieved by gentleness that cannot even remotely be achieved by severity and coercion. Gentleness is the attribute of the wise and the compassionate among those servants of Allah whom he has selected for himself. Allah the Exalted thus describes his prophet, the Lord of mankind, may blessings and peace be upon him. It was by Allah's mercy that you were lenient with them. For had you been stern and coarse of heart, they would have dispersed from around you. And he also said, exalted is he, hold to forgiveness, enjoin kindness, and turn away from the ignorant. And he also said, And the servants of the All-Merciful are those who walk gently upon the earth, and when the ignorant address them, they say, Peace. And the Messenger of Allah, may blessings and peace be upon him and his family, said, Allah is gentle and loves gentleness in all things. And he وسلم, also said, Gentleness never accompanies anything without embellishing it and is never taken out of anything without disgracing it. So now he's going to get into after explaining that this is important to explain what this how we practically implement this. وَمَعْنَ رِفْقِي مُحَاوَلَةِ الْأُمُورِ وَالْأَخْذْ فِيهَا بِالْلُطْفِ وَالْيُسْرِ وَالْوَقَارِ Gentleness is to manage things with tact, facility, dignity, and deliberation. 
وفي الحديث أنه عليه الصلاة والسلام ما خير بين أمرين إلا اختار أيسرهما ما لم يكن إثما فإن كان إثما كان أبعد الناس عنه عائشة رضي الله عنها said that he صلى الله عليه وسلم was never given to choose between two things but that he chose the easier so long as it was not sinful but when it was sinful he was the remotest of people from it MashaAllah, tabarakallah So I'm, I'm wondering here um, if gentleness is really and that's normally how I guess we translate mm. rough is gentleness mm. is it really encompassing the Arabic meaning mm. with that translation because it seems to me the way Imam Haddad is pre- uh, presenting this and the verses he's quoting in the hadith that it's such an overarching comprehensive trait that has so many different <coughs> applications and so many different aspects of your life I think yeah. when we think of someone who's gentle mm. we have a particular conception yeah that kind of comes that they just might be uh, you know very soft and yeah um, not but there's overbearing yeah but it seems like this is much deeper, deeper. yeah yeah. There's like a wisdom, like a, there's a deep wisdom to it. I'm not yeah. sure how we would translate that yeah. in English. Because if you think about this, is not just in terms of uh, the way you'd like be gentle with a human being yeah. or gentle with an animal, mm. right? I mean, that, I think we kind of understand what gentleness means there. Yeah. But this seems like he's like, mm. right? It's not uh, a part of anything except that it embellishes it. Right, fil amri kulli in all yeah. matters. So, in terms of if you're in charge of a team at work, in mm. terms of mm. you know uh, your fellow associates at work, in terms of how you approach the, the you know solving a problem, it seems like there's so many different applications. Mm. Um, so, what what comes to your mind in terms of like how what is that? Yeah, I, I do like this word here uh, that he uses to translate when Imam al-Haddad is describing it, tact being, you know, very tactful, mm-hmm. deliberate, um, not uh, not being um, overreactionary, sort mm-hmm. of just kind of like really taking, having that pause and that deliberation to really assess things. But I don't know of an English word yeah. that kind of encompasses all. So it seems all. like there's a little bit of balance to it as mm-hmm. well, kind of mm-hmm. like... And wasn't the previous chapter on the middle way, right? The middle way, yeah. Yeah. The golden so mean. It seems like it kind of has that. So he, so when he says here, matnav, could you just translate that one more time? So matnav rif. So the meaning of rif. Yeah. So gentleness is to manage things with tact. So muhawalatid amur. Facility. Wal fiha. So managing things, and then muhawalatid amur is like anything that like. Anything that you do, doing mm. things, really. Okay. What fiha? So he translates that as facility. So maybe facilitation. Uh, and facilitation. Okay. Belutfi um, wal yusri. Mm. How does he translate lutfi there? Um, so maybe that's what he combines all of that into facility. Because ah, all okay. that follows after that is dignity and deliberation. I see. In, in okay. the English translation. Yeah, it's really hard, and Dr. Mustafa is a master Bil translator. But if we look at more of a, let's just look at this a little bit more closely. Sure. So everything that you're really doing yeah, and everything that you are embarking upon, what and which is like engaging, embarking, yeah. engaging in things. So lutfi is very close to riff, so that's kind of like the gentleness. Mm. And then the yusur mm. is like 
the ease, ease like the, yeah. facil- the facility and then the example Imam al-Haddad uses that the Prophet ﷺ never had a choice between two things except that he chose the right. easier right. right so like finding the path of least resistance the yeah. facilitation as long as it's pleasing to Allah yeah nice wal-waqari which I'm trying to get my trying to think about that one this is deep wal-waqari yeah. so yeah, wa-qari. dignity dignity or being compo- like composure being yeah, com- composure. having composure okay nice composure uh, and then Co-adam. deliberation. He has deliberation. deliberation. Mm. Like so thinking it's like it through. Kind of taking your time, thinking it through, and not being. <sighs> Almost like that. But that's just so deep because you think about how many mistakes that people make because they get off in one of these two ways. Yeah. Right? They're either too harsh or yeah. they're just too difficult. Or overreactionary. Or, are they, or they're overreactionary. Yeah. Or they uh, don't deliberate and really think about all the different options. Yeah, that's yeah. just really profound. It um, really is. And I don't have all the, the answers. And, like, and, but and just in the little bit, I mean, we haven't even, I don't think even we've gotten halfway through the chapter, but just in the little bit that we've read there, right? this would be something that would change. Like we're thinking, uh, I'm thinking just of America here, but other parts of the world, like it would change the whole country if people were able to understand and adopt something like this and just our, like you said, work, or neighbors, or even within the home with family, you know, how to deal with one's spouse or one's children. and right. It's just really profound. So I was just thinking, like, what if you just all of a sudden told that your child did something that seemed to be, like, egregious? Yeah. How do we respond? Do we just all of a sudden just take that one thing, go home in a panic, and just, you know, or do we gently hear both sides, get to the bottom of the situation, what's happened, it, kind of look into it a little bit more yeah. and then think about it and then kind of make the correct assessment, assessment and take this, you know, or any problem in the community or something like that. Do we just, you know, rush into it and start, you know, chopping things down metaphorically Over speaking? Over generalizing. It, yeah. So it, it seems that it applies to all of that, subhanAllah. Yeah. This deen is just it's yeah, so, yeah, it's it's ama- so beautiful. It really is the more you learn, the more beautiful it becomes. And how many concepts like that where Again, it's just translation is such an important thing. It's mm. like rifq. Okay, it's gentleness, but like, yeah, it's rifq. There's so many more applications, yeah, in the way that you would and think about it. it. Uh, in not only a linguistic sense, but even in a religious sense. One of the interesting uh, things there is that usually when we think of gentleness in English, it almost has like a, like a slight passivity to it. But then when he said that, you know that you're engaging in something is that even when you're proactive, even if you have a goal in mind, that you're able to, in that, kind of uh, uh, apply this idea of rifq. Nice. Which is... Which, you know, yeah, like like patience. People think patience is not doing anything. passive. <laughs> but you're being active by being, yeah, patient. Mashallah. And then extending that to one of the, the big things in the Muslim world, like by having good character. And I remember our teachers like emphasize this all the time, is that if people think that by having good character that that's weakness. It's mm. a misunderstanding. No, I mean, that, look how dangerous that is. Yeah. Like what you're supposed to do, people consider to be weakness we, no, and something that's foreign to the religion when it's the essence of what you should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> one of our teachers put a quote up not too long ago where he said that um, if your opponent has had the ability mm. 
to prevent you from still having love in your heart and showing love, mm. he's truly defeated you. Yeah, not safe. I thought that was profound. Like if, he, if he can get you to move away from your principles, and one of the greatest of those principles is having love for Allah's creation, love for the believers, love for what Allah has brought into existence in the way that he that wants us to love with all the different manifestations of that. Subhanallah. Allah. MashaAllah. Radiallahu anhu. Muhaddad. MashaAllah. Book of Assistance. Bismillah. So we're on page of Book of Assistance, midway through, page number 83. And on the Arabic, page 125. In the chapter still on enjoining good and forbidding evil. وَاعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْأَمْرَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَاجِبٌ وَالنَّهِ عَنِ الْمُحَرَّمِ وَاجِبٌ وَالْأَمْرِ بِالْمَنْدُوبِ وَالنَّهِ عَنِ الْمَكْرُوهِ مُسْتَحَبٌ Know that enjoining obligatory and forbidding prohibited things is itself an obligation. Enjoining recommended and forbidding disliked things, that is, that are makru, uh, legally disliked, things itself is recommended. وَعَلَيْكَ إِذَا أَمَرْتَ بِمَعْرُوفٍ أَوْ نَهَيْتَ عَمْ مُنْكَرٍ وَلَمْ يُسْمَعْ لَكْ بِمُفَارَقَةِ مَوْضِعِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَهَجْرِ مُرْتَكَبِهِ حَتَّى يَفِي إِلَى أَمْرِ اللَّهِ So if I, I just may on that, it's one sentence or two sentences, but even that right there, just sometimes we only think about أَمْ بِمَعْرُوفٍ وَنَهَيْنَ مُنْكَرٍ in the sense of what's obligatory and what's forbidden. forbidden. And there's no doubt it's a blessing to have people warn you. You know, and I, and I think now people are hypersensitive and some people spend too much time warning and it's good to find that balance. But it's also a blessing to be warned about certain things so that you don't get harmed by them. But we oftentimes in our conception of Amr bin Ma'ruf and Munkar, it doesn't include what is recommended or what is that makru, what is yeah. legally disliked. Yeah. Which is, you know, there's that famous story of Sayyidina Umar al-Khattab where the young man you know, after he'd been stabbed in the back and he's slowly dying, that the young man comes into his presence and his pants were a little bit low. He says, young man, it would be better for you just to pull your pants up a little mm. bit. And someone might say, is that why is Sayyidina Umar worried about that when he's on his death? To me, it's the opposite. Mm. It was a society such that they had such a high standard. Those are the type of things that mm. they were oftentimes dealing with. It was a small issues of etiquette. Mm. Uh, and Allah. that being actually from yeah. and the concern that he has for them. But anyhow, that's uh, that has a lot of applications when we draw that out. Mm. But uh, yeah, anyhow. No, that's beautiful, inshallah. Uh, whenever you enjoin good or forbid evil and are not listened to, you must leave the place where evil is being committed and those who commit it until they return to Allah's ordinance. Likewise, you must detest sins and those who persist in committing them and abhor them for the sake of Allah, this being a duty for all Muslims. And maybe it'd be helpful to them to just say a few words in terms of applying this. You know, no. we're a Muslim minority in a place like the United States and mm. many of the people who will be listening might also be a part of a Muslim minority in the countries that they're from. Mm. Um, you know, that he primarily is addressing uh, Muslims in a uh, Muslim country. Yeah. And these same principles apply, but 
we have to understand the shades of their meaning, mm. like in our context. Right? Absolutely, so, yeah. For instance, I have non-Muslim family members, yeah. and um, oftentimes when we go spend time with family, mm. they're doing things that shouldn't be done. And um, what I've learned from our teachers is those things that they end up doing that they shouldn't be doing, our intention, of course, is to spend time with family, and we try our best to limit our interactions and not be around it to the extent possible. But as long as we dislike it in our heart hmm. for family gatherings that are of importance and that type of thing, you go with that intention and you just dislike it in your heart as opposed to because they're not even Muslim yet, come down on them on those specifics sure. unless they're open to it. Yeah. So like yeah. if one of your family members has a drinking problem or a drug problem, it's a good thing to try to help them out of that. But it, it shouldn't be something that prevents us from yeah. being with them and seeing them and, and maintaining family bonds and so forth. Yeah, mashallah. And I think here sometimes people might also misunderstand, you know, hating the sin and hating those who persistently engage in it uh, and that this is kind of incumbent upon every believer. It's still referring to the act of the sin and the commitment to the sin, not the, the essence of that person nice. themselves. Nice. So, for example, someone's engaged in something, you know, if someone's uh, poisoning themselves, you would hate for that to happen to them out of your love for that person. Mm -hmm. like, I don't want you, you're going to hurt yourself. This mm -hmm. is going to kill you. Don't mm -hmm. do that. And then if the person continues to kind of be persistent in that, you hate the fact that they're persistent mm -hmm. and that they might harm other people or convince other people that that's something that they should do. But then if that person makes toba, it's gone. We're happy. Yeah. We we you know that that that's ex that's the greatest hope that we have for them is to leave that. So I think it's a difference between this I kind think of that's a really important distinction. Mm. And and I think sometimes people try to grapple with this concept of mm. loving and hating for the sake of Allah. Mm. And especially with a lot of modern discourse, uh, people tend to think that that means that you can't coexist with other people yeah, and, no. and which is not what it means. Not but at, at the same time it's like if you when you hate something you'll yeah. protect yourself from it. Yeah. So hating disobedience, you have to hate it. Yeah. Just the way that, like you mentioned, like you hate things that harm you. You would mm. hate to put your hand, right, on a on the stove exactly. if it's hot exactly. because of the pain that would come to you as a result. So we have to hate what we believe to be wrong yeah. uh, so that we protect ourselves from it. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we go around mistreating people. Yeah. Right? Our job yeah. as... Uh, Muslims wherever we are on the face of this earth even our Muslim brothers that have fallen into stuff is to get them out of that yeah. if there's a way that we can and to bring people who disbelieve to belief and even that story you know one of the most amazing stories from the Prophet is oftentimes to really help people like we talked about someone who might have a alcohol addiction or a drug addiction you know a lot of times they found psychologically that those people um, really are trying to fill a deep hole inside of themselves. And there's that story of one of the companions who had that same problem and probably might have even preceded the prohibition of alcohol. And, you know, they would they would uh, do the had punishment and, and hit him and things of that nature. And then it happened so many times that one of the other Sahaba got so frustrated and he said, may Allah curse this man. Mm. You know, how, how often is he going to drink? And the Prophet said, don't curse him, for he loves Allah and his Love. messenger. He defended him. So he defended him. Yeah. So it's a difference between, yes, that's an act that's even punishable by the sacred law, right. Right. 
but we don't hate that person. And we don't even make this kind of statement of there's no hope mm. for them. Mm. And that it was that love. That's so deep. Yeah. That's so deep. Because think about how, how many of us are in that situation. We have bad habits. And we don't like those bad habits. We want to overcome those bad habits. But sometimes individuals will close the doors to us to do the good that we can, which might be the means of our salvation in canceling out that bad habit. But if that door is closed to us, where we think we're just doomed because yeah. of a bad habit, as opposed yeah. to making that subtle distinction, okay, wrong is wrong, and I'm not going to support you in a wrong. I'm going to try to help you do good, though, and encourage you to do some other type of good. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, this is, again, it's just a paragraph, but uh, I think it's, it's very profound and, and the meanings are, are, are far-reaching there. Thank you for listening to one of Al-Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al-Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at almaqasid.org and connect with our other online content at almaqasid.org backslash connect.